You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. Welcome, Welcome to the Smoking Word. Welcome Welcome to the Smoking Word. What's up, what's up, everybody? Before we start the podcast, I want to announce some shows. If you haven't heard, Hardcore is fucking back. And we got some shows booked already. Friday, June 25th in Hamden, Connecticut. Saturday, June 26th, Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. Sunday, June 27th, Reading, Pennsylvania. Listen, tickets are on sale right now. Go get them and come out and party with us. You know what I mean? You want any shows? You got some shows. So here we go. But yo, this podcast is brought to you and always will be brought to you by CasaDaRock.com. You know the deal. That's my merch store. We got a lot of merch for his and hers. Available, all T-shirts, $21 for the whole year. That's how we're doing 2021. And um, again, for every, I want to shout out all my Patreons. My Patreons been, the family's getting bigger. And I can't tell you how much, how much love we got for you. Because that's what's going to keep the show bumping. And we have a lot of shit in the works. So shout out to my Patreon, my Patreon family out there. And for everybody who wants to get down with the get down. Patreon.com slash the smoking word. Again, for you dinosaurs and you slow people out there. Patreon.com slash the smoking word. That's a way you can invest in the show. If you got a job, you got no excuse. And if you're listening to this shit, that means you got a phone or a computer. You got $2. The first tier is $2, five, $5 and so on. Exclusive video, behind the scenes shit, stuff that nobody else gets. That's how we're going to build this. But again, patreon.com slash the smoking word. Get down with the get down. And everybody, follow me at Hoya Rock 357 on Instagram. You know the deal. Keep It keeps you up to date with everything. And now, make sure you add the smoking word podcast on Instagram. You understand? If you want to shout us out, if you want to curse us out, or if you want to get Whatever you want to do, talk shit, any ideas, anything, any new music, you could hit us up on there. We're going to check it out. So make sure you add the Smoking Word podcast on Instagram and you could follow me on all my other shit. Look out for that new Mad Ball in 2021. We're not playing games and we're working a lot on that new shit. So stay tuned. I have a lot of shit in the works. Right now, we've been editing like crazy. We threw out a teaser out there for everybody. Follow us on Apple Music. Follow us on Spotify and subscribe on YouTube. Listen, it's free. Number one is subscribe. And number two, not only is it free, but it goes a long way. It lets the people in our world know we're out here making noise. And, you know, we need some respect. So put some respect on it when you fucking say the smoking word. But listen, again, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And um, today, an old friend and a very, very talented musician and part of my part of the, the New York hardcore bass army and also that metal army. Satan's favorite and my favorite. 
my bro, Paul, from Black Anvil. Let's set this shit off. What well, up, Paul? Good, I just made home. it up right now. Well, you know, it kind of reminded me of a Mad Ball song, but we'll talk about that at another time. That. All right, all right. Which one? Guido Tell me, Pants? no, no, so no, look, look it. Smell the bacon. Black number one. You're a bass player. They changed the last uh, note. Just saying. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I'm just saying. 100%. I, don't, I got GED. What year did um, 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 Smell the Bacon come out? 1988. What year did Black whatever come out? Just saying. Just I very much doubt he's listening to the Mad Bull 7-inch. But uh, well, maybe. Uh, yo, you don't know. He's writing AF songs, right? Listen, shout out to Pete Steele. Shout out to Typo Negative and everybody who loves Black. What's up? <laughs> What's up, Pablo? What's going on, man? Pa- yo, I like that background. I like you know, that background. So listen, so what happens during the COVID, you know, things started snowballing, you know, Spotify picked up Rogan, Apple Music picked me up. They said, we're going to set you up in a big multi-billion dollar <laughs> like, studio. We got to compete with this Joe Rogan guy. Yeah, this fucking bald-headed muscle midget guy. And they put me this. No, yo, I love these fucking, these fucking background shit. It kills me. But um, I, I set up for you. I set up. Hell yeah, I got the all thousand. I was expecting to see like uh, chicken yeah. feathers, you know? Yo, so. I, I hate when you see videos, like interviews like this, and there's like a hamper and it's <laughs> just whack in the background. Listen, like if I didn't, listen, if I didn't have this, you would see a hamper. My you son's see the like, hamper. like you Iron got Man. Kids, you see an Iron Man like blanket. Like, you know, I can have all the hardcore shit I want. I, I got like an Iron Man blanket and some other Japanimation shit. You you get the pass though. There's few people that get the the rite of passage. <laughs> but listen, but um, what's up with you, man? When's the last time I seen you in human life? I, well, at the park for like thirty seconds. Okay, yeah, at the park before the park. It was... Before the park was when you played Bizarre before okay, yeah, before the last... the last record came out. Wow, so yeah, it's been a minute, and that's what I'm saying. I, I see you always online, and I saw you quick, so I forget. And we always bullshit quick, so it's kind of we've been in touch, but. What you been up to during this fucking whatever you want to call it or whatever is going on? I don't even want to get into, but what you been going? You know, there's no music, so I've been I've been enjoying it in, in a yeah. way, in, in a way. I, I like solitude always. I, I like to lay low and just I'm never bored. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I like being alone. I like doing my thing, but under you know I, I like doing that on my own accord. So this was a bit different because the beginning of this whole thing was pretty strange. I'm sure you have the same conversation with everybody, you know, but uh, once I hit like a stride, I, know, I started writing. We, so we had a record written and ready to record. Yeah, we, we were supposed to make a record spring 2020. We signed to a new label. We signed a season of mist in the beginning of the year and it was all things were looking great. And then this shit happened and it was like, all right, what do we do? Like, we can't record, you know, there, there were some other friends bands that were like not sneaking to record, but like, you know, breaking yeah. the, the rules and yeah. doing what they had to do. And we just figured we got two guys on the West Coast, two guys on the East Coast. Like, what, what are we going to do? So let's just sit on it, you know? So we sat on it for a year. Now we're going to make record this record that's already been written in August. So mm-hmm. which I think was for the best. You know, I, I've seen so many records come out that it just hurt. sort of fell, fell in the cracks. 
Yeah, you would think some people thought, you know, the remedy is, oh, yo, people are going to buy the record because everybody's home. But then there's also, you know, in reality is the underground, no matter how supportive they are, you got to go live. You got to tour and you got to hit the town for them to fucking say, you know, let me go buy this record. Let me go download this. Like you almost got to hit them over the head, you know, with it. Yeah, because the attention span people's attention span nowadays is like blink of an eye. It's like you're watching Tiger King and then, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> and then you realize it's been a year and a half and you're like, wow. I know, so I know. There, and, and what I was going to say, when you wrote, when you, when you put that, that, that record, that all this shit happened and all that and whatever, I, obviously you guys were burnt, you know, like, I know you must've been a little pissed off, like, fuck, you know, you put so much energy and in work into something. And especially when you drop an album, people don't know that that when you lay it out is almost as important as the music itself. You know what I mean? Like, as you could see. So what happened with this one, it's, you know, we were ready to do it. And we had like a a loose, like, let's, let's get into the studio spring and and that, you know, it was just starting to develop, but it was written. So the fact that we scrapped it a whole year gives us time to sit there. I know me personally, it gives me time to sit there and be like, do I like this shit anymore? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I sit there, I overanalyze it. And, yeah, I, and I, it's it's like played out. I got demoitis. I'm like yeah. really attached to the demos. That's you know? everything. The demos always raw. They sound mean. Yep. Well, you know, the demo. <laughs> and then you yeah, later yeah. on, you know, like, was that shitty recording with all the hard songs? <laughs> you know what I mean, but I know what you mean to this. Yeah. Day, it's funny you say that. I just heard Maddie talking about the same thing about some songs we had written. He was like, I wish we had the demo version because it was raw. And it's like, yeah, there's, you know, some, there's an edge to it, you know, there's less tracks, the edge, less with, tracks with the, is the secret. Yeah, <laughs> with, no, with I'm the serious. Last record that we, the last one that we put out, I, I told the, the dude that mixed and mastered it, Swedish guy, and he's done some records that I really enjoy, you know, like super high fi super low fi Like he just knows how to get what a yeah. band needs to sound like. I sent him all the old demos. And I'm like, these are the old demos. These are what they became in the on the, the record. Make it how do how do you make it big and still keep that yeah, that demo vibe? And he completely understood what I meant. I, I yeah. think with the last one we captured that. Yeah, yeah. No, I gotta check that out. I haven't heard none of that shit. The last things I heard, I don't know. It was might have even been songs that you got on that last record because you had sent me pieces a while ago of oh, yeah. stuff randomly. So I know that some stuff ended up because they were kind of far along and then, you know, that might even I've, be more, more, more the recent shit too. That's what you know, I mean. It's been like almost two years we spent writing a record and crazy, you know, you're right. And, you're right. And, it might be that, that long, that yeah. long. And um, what you call it, um, where did you record it at? I think we talked we, about it and I forgot. We made the last record in Queens in, uh, in Woodhaven. Which Ain't is that the, 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 the black metal capital of the world, right? Queens. The, yeah, Woodhaven, black Queens, and metal. white trash and, and black metal capital of the world. Just like Norway, just like Norway, yeah. type of, you know, it's almost Norway. Just a little cleaner. Middle village, you know, like well. <laughs> so. The this guy that we know, who's one of the black metal kings of Queens, the black metal, uh, the black metal king of Queens. That's hold on, that yeah. alone. We got to give this motherfucker a TV show. The Black Metal King of Queens. You heard it Metal. here first. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Bo, Bo, who, yep. What's his name? He's Talk a, to uh, Apple about that. Uh, yeah. Colin, Colin, Colin Marston. All right. And Engineer. It, yeah. He's got this big studio. It's like a compound. He lives there. 
we, we get there. You're going to love this part. I was just telling Isaac about this the other day and he was bugging out and had like a counter story to it. We we're sitting there and it's just one of these moments where I'm looking at a bunch of CDs that are laying around and I pick up snow Informer, and I'm oh. like, yo, why do you got, why you got this? And he's like, we, that record was recorded here. The guy oh, that owned the, shit. The guy that owned the studio originally recorded a bunch of hip-hop stuff. And if you want to call whatever you want to call snow. Yeah. But that record was, was written there. That was a like, fucking uh, recorded there. A huge record. And for everybody out there who don't know, Snow was, he was this white boy who sang reggae, but he was dope. And on the side B, he had a hard track called Lonely, Lonely Monday Mornings. Check that out, everybody. But you know why it's dope? Check that out. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually is a cool. It has kind of like um, you know, it's a reggae. You know, obviously like a hip hoppy trance style beat. But it's actually got that Bjork kind of dark feel. That track, pretty dope. And it was different. I only really remember the single. I remember that yeah. video coming on the box all the time. Yeah, yeah, you know? like a billion times. But um, yep. that's dope. So it's a cool studio. And what's up with with that guy? So he's a Queens guy originally. He's. I don't actually know. I don't, I don't think he's from New York. Sorry to throw okay. him under the bus and ruin yeah. the whole TV show idea. I don't <laughs> yeah. think he's from New York because he doesn't sound like me. But yeah. I know he's been here for a while. He's in a bunch of bands. Uh, and he's just got a great studio. And yeah, we again, we shipped it off. We were going to have this guy from, from Sweden come over and work it out. He was on tour with Mayhem. He does sound for them in production. And we were going to have him stay here after a festival. Got and you. find a studio and track here with him. And that got thrown into, you know, chaos, like always. Nothing's ever smooth. Yeah. So we figured second best we could track in Queens with this guy. Uh, he's got a great studio. He's done some great stuff. And then ship it off to Sweden to get mixed and mastered, which I was a little like, I like to be in a room and yeah. control that. Yeah. But he sent us a rough he sent us a rough mix. I gave him crazy notes. And the only thing we had to do is raise the ride symbol throughout the whole yeah. record. And I never had a situation like that where I wasn't a part of the whole thing and we were that happy. So we're just going to go with the same two people again. And we learned that also in the later years, back in the day, it'd be all of us and they had no say. And that's the last thing you want. It was like four meatheads yelling shit at you while you, you know, you're doing just, you're just getting you there. guys, you know, especially than, us, and than then, us guys. And then um, even more, like, you no, guys then, and Matt Henderson, who's like, the only yeah uh, exactly genius you know it's like exactly. you, have, you have the meatheads and then you have the guy that you had one orangutan if it was Planet of the Apes you had the one orangutan Maddie and the rest were gorillas and we were like just <laughs> didn't know and the poor engineer was the human that we just abused and kept them naked and just like watered them down but uh but uh, no but then I learned later on I know what you mean we were kind of always hands on we were even there for mastering at one point. It got in the I early did one days. mastering setting yeah. with Alan Duchess just because yeah. I wanted to see or doubt yeah. this, however it's pronounced. We did with, with Chris Derringer. And shout out to Chris. I'm, I'm glad I remembered his name because he did all the old Madball records, right? He was part of Roadrunner. Mad cool dude. And we would do it in the Hit Factory, which if people don't know, the Hit Factory is Michael Jackson, Paul Simon, Meatloaf. So you got us walking in there. You know, mastering yeah. set it off and shit. <laughs> but homeboy was a cool dude, and he actually had mastered um, Ice Ice Baby and Vanilla Ice and all those records. And he had done the Mabo album, Go Small World. You know what I mean? So that's how he brought Scarhead on tour. <laughs> and that's how Scarhead <laughs> got on. Thank you, Isaac. You're welcome. But um, all right. And this guy, so you you uh, you got, and so you ended up doing that um, sending it and having homeboy and um, 
uh, in, Swedish in Sweden. guy. Sweden knock it out, right? yeah. And let we're going to do the same thing again. Yeah, let me ask you this. What is it with that style of music and these fucking Swedes that they got to lock? Obviously, you know, all right, hip-hop started in New York. All right, yeah, but there's people that kill it that are from everywhere else. These motherfuckers got a handle on it, on that there's style. Something, there's something, something out there. There's right. something with everything out there, you know, like the the drummer for Entombed, Nika yeah. Anderson. That guy. Shout out to Entombed too, man. Yeah, that 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 guy could do anything almost. You know, it's it's like there there's something in the water in yeah. Scandinavia. I, I don't quite get it. You know what? Something that just yeah, go when ahead, you go, go to Europe and you hear some hardcore bands, it's not the same as New York. So, I, yeah, you know, you know, I guess the the territory just breeds you, it. You know what? Something that just popped in my head. Asking you the question, I kind of think it goes to it, especially being up there that um, one, obviously, you know, we're, we're in, in such beautiful countries, you know, anger lives everywhere. So no matter where you live. So it's true. So one, ex- they, they're going to want the extreme because to fight the extreme, you know, the inside anger, they got to paint the pictures. OK, musically, I think technically is because they in general, those countries as you know, just um, the kids in general are. I don't want to say smarter than everybody because I'll be dissing myself, but they they're very educated and have, you know, the musicians there are ridiculous in general. Like they all play yeah. guitar. They play bass. They all engineer. They, they they do sound on the weekend. All those a lot of the the the, the, the Viking people, although the Norway and <laughs> Swedish like they're very the English too, very technical with the, it's it's the same with that dude that the Necromorber studio. He plays drums. He's Bananas drummer plays guitar. He can do everything, and he can manage band. Like, and he's a manager. He manages mayhem. It's wild, man. Yeah, and that's do- and 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 the guy who did it. So he's the manager for Mayhem. Does he record Mayhem or just sound and and he rec- he recorded the newest Mayhem record. All he right. got on board with them. He's been like Watain's guy. Tours with them, records their records, and their records are massive. Yeah, you know. So just because the band got bigger and they had to grow and and make it huge. So he he just d- developed himself into that guy, you know, yeah. and got down with the mayhem camp. And I, I sort of give him the credit for rebranding and, and making that band come out with a punch again. Yeah, which is pretty cool because I know you love that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I like some <laughs> of it. Um, You know what it is where I got you know what it is. I almost like the earlier stages of it where it was still I heard the metal where I could still touch. You know, like like it wasn't as um, now, you know, there's still that type of um, um, styles around. But the technical part, I was never into that. Now they started, you know, even black metal back in the day. That shit was so, you know, uh, venom. That shit wasn't technical. Yep. You know, it was the raw, the rawness of what Celtic Frost was bringing a little. But obviously they made it grittier and it was times 10 and just dirtier. But it was still you, that you know, open. I was going to bring them up a second ago when you uh, when you were talking about growing up in in the woods and in these nice cities where you're like, why are they so angry? I, I remember it was one of Tom Warrior's books or interview or something. And I guess this is pre Hellhammer. But he said he used to listen to his Venom 45s on 33 because they weren't heavy enough. And I, I can relate to that. You, you know, like I remember sitting and listening to like my mom's Van Halen records and just putting them on slow because it was fucked up and heavy. Yeah. You know? And I, I could understand, you know, spending time in Europe and you have more than almost anyone I know, probably, you know, you, you see how people are fucked up and, and 
I, I would love to coming from here. I, I would love to just have it nice <laughs> or have yeah. had it nice my whole life. And I have had it nice, but yeah, have yeah. it nicer or wear one of those sweaters with the collar with like gear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it's, it's the same shit everywhere. You know, you have, especially in Europe and in Scandinavia, there's times where it's like daylight for four hours. That's depressing, yeah. man. It's going to make you angry. It's fucking insane. And, and, and people forget that it's like, you know, um, sometimes you need to see something to, to you know, how you feel to, 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 to get it out. If it meant a movie, if it meant loud music, you know, yeah. that's why, you know, sunny, beautiful or nice mountains and people. Hello. Hello. Maybe uh, it's one of those days you're on a fuck you day. You yeah. Know, and you're it's just because we're you're human. Cut from a different cloth. And, yeah. you know, you know, and, you get and, into this other music. And of course, music is always the gateway to like, well, let me read this book or, or yeah. go beyond. And you realize you're different, you know, and those dudes, the, the early the early days of, of that whole scene, which is another thing. Like, I acknowledge that we're from here. Our sound is different. Our look is different. I realize I'm not trying to replicate what I hear, like when it yeah. comes to black metal. I, I realize we're from here. We do it our way. The message is there. You know, the music is going to be our way. But like this, this movie, uh, Lords of Chaos, got yeah. a lot of criticism because you know the, the internet loves to just criticize but I, I actually thought it was was made really well because it captured just young kids being angry and i can relate you know yeah. being 13 14 and listening to like a tape deck in forest park yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. just cranking tunes and, and not feeling connected to the guidos in, yeah. in howard beach or something like this you know now, let me ask you this, because you said something right before, which I was going to touch on anyway, because to me, it's interesting and pretty crazy. And just, again, how amazing and crazy our world is like I, I was going to ask you how now you've been in the band. Now you had the band for a while. So you guys are known now. But I know for a fact when you guys first came out being a black metal band or whatever out of New York, you know, people were like, you know, what was the shit that you had to deal with that was talked about? Like, what was the the the, 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 the water cooler shit talk about you guys? Because it was you know, always yeah. What was okay. the you know what was the 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 you know how would they come at you guys? Because as a band, you were dope. You guys repped it the right way. You weren't like over the top with anything. Thank you. That you know what I saw. I always saw like you would think you would want another. Like when I see a hardcore band in fucking. Uh, you you know, and I'm uh, fucking um, um, in Malaysia somewhere or some country. I never I'm like, f f I get so I'm getting goose pimples right now. Just I would be psyched for anybody repping the movement, you know, in a spot that's not typically known for it. To me, I almost feel like we're penetrating. See, you know, it's most uh, the, the most of the hate that I notice is from here. Oh. You, you know, it, it's American kids that that cling on to this European scene. And have this elitist mentality, and it's it's funny because these are the people that don't do anything other than it's just the mouth on this yeah. forum or here or there. So I learned to ignore that pretty quickly because nobody says anything to you. A few t instances it shows there's some heckling, and you know yeah. we figured that out on the spot. But yeah. it's it, it's been that one of the early things that that got out. I, I remember discussing this with a friend before we signed a relapse, they reissued the first record. A friend of ours in Holland put the record out. Uh, it was Reflections Records. And he did it on this offshoot called Monumentum that he was doing. 
And you may know the guy, Johan Prenger. He used to book shows, put records out. Um, he, he put out a press release that said featuring members of and listed every band that I filled in for and Gary. And, and, and bands at Rafer, like the three of us, because it was started as three of us. So featuring members of, it said Madball, Chromags, H2O, and like Kill Your Idols last. Yeah, bang. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm like, people are going to read this and imagine Rusty and Corpse Paint. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was, I really wanted to just not put out there who we were. You know, I wanted to keep it, just yeah. keep it mysterious and start fresh. Because one thing doesn't have to do with the other. When it comes around, it'll come around and it's like, oh, those guys or something. Yeah. Oh, shit. Losing my headphones here. So, uh, so that happened and that became just people not even understanding what, what our old band was, what Kill Your Idol sounded like. Everyone just assumed, oh, macho, hardcore, tough guy, hardcore band, like comparing us to Hatebreed. It's like, yeah. well, and there's nothing wrong with Hatebreed, but that it's wasn't not, what the band was about. That was never what... Yeah, Kill Your Idols was a very honest band, you, you know, in, in what we did. And I don't know, I, I think seeing the connection of us as musicians and what we did, and if you knew us as people, the main thing there, jumping to this was, was very natural because this is where we all come from musically, you know, yeah. like heavy metal yeah. opened the door for hardcore. And we're older. I'm the young one and I'm 43. Rafe is yeah. like... 86. <laughs> He's 86. Him and, he looks him and 90, Satan were in junior only... high school together. Yep, 202. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he uh he's 52 or 53, you know. So and that dude's seen merciful fate before people were born. Yeah. And that are talking shit. So it's and again, I'm the young one, but I came up with these older guys. So I I don't know. I I was just around this mentality. So yeah, it's pretty strange to see how people just want to hear one little thing, jump and run with it, which yeah. you see happen all the time online everywhere yeah and run with it without even researching or checking anything out or you know a, a lot we, we would get a lot of slack for having clean vocals in some parts on some <laughs> later records god, and it, it's god like, forbid oh shit no god anything i'm sorry wrong yeah god. don't <laughs> devil satan forbid <laughs> so yeah and but but these same people will yeah. listen to other genres of ambient music or whatever's cool. Yeah, in the moment. yeah, yeah. Whatever but, for them. Yeah, they, they learn how to bob and, me and bob and weave to how yeah. what they like. And then, you know, until it's convenient for them. Yeah. Or other bands that are cooler. Yeah. You know, in, in their eyes, if there is some clean singing, it's like, I don't that, That's again, that's the thing is we never gave a fuck to make anyone happy. So if we hear something, we're going to do it. And yeah. if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it, it doesn't work, you know, and we do whatever the fuck we want. I thought that's what being liberated was. Yeah, you know, it was doing well, you what know, you want. You're right. And that's the hardcore kid in you, though. You know what I mean? That's the thing that us hardcore kids have no matter where we go. It's and that's where I do want. see the connection. Yeah. That's yeah. where I see the connection where a lot of people don't because they have like this misconstrued view of hardcore. That's where I see the connection is this attitude yeah. of I didn't get into this because I cared about people and because yeah. I loved because I was Mr. Unity. Like I got yeah. into hardcore because I wasn't a happy kid. Yeah. And I I associated with something that was rough around the edges, you know? 
Yeah. And it didn't mean I was out there mugging people and being, no, exactly. you know, but there that, was that, that was Isaac and all those guys, not me. That, <laughs> that was, was all them. That might have been him and some other people. He, he yeah, a, some chubby Spanish guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, but yeah, no, for sure. And and like you know, um, it sucks that it comes from the people at home, right? Like you know, from the people in, at home base that are going to give you the more the most hate when you're like yeah you know you should yeah. be rallying for us you know like for me i want new york to have the metal band the hardcore band the hip-hop band the the, the, the folk band the, i want you know you root for everything let's get everything under yeah. the umbrella on our team yeah and and there's there's right now there's nothing in new york you know there's it's i don't want to say new york is dead but there's not much powerful music coming out of new york yeah. That's you know, a, not yeah. to the point of like Kiss, the Ramones, Twisted Sister, what you mean. call it, like, you know, what was the last something, big thing to come out of New special. York? The Strokes. Yeah, something special. You know, like, I know you mean. Now, let me Man ask Ball you this. And the Strokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me ask you this. So, you know, so you went back. So to getting into what you got to now, obviously. So I and I know a little bit of the story already. You know, you got into the music, into heavy music because of your moms. Yep. That's yep. what people people don't go. You know, I want people to also know that you know, I you know, I, I'm like the the um the unwritten. I'm not just for girl power, but I'm a big mom power. Not just because my mom, Pepper, I'm a mama's boy, like I know you are, and Ezek is, and a bunch of us are. And I just want the world. I remind the world that don't get it twisted because we are those motherfuckers that don't give a fuck <laughs> and would do whatever we want. But we were raised by mothers, and we love our mothers, and we, and we know how high of, you know, where they belong, you know, and, and this whole thing of ours in general. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because I, I give my mom props to the point where I, sometimes I feel like I'm saying the same thing in every interview. Like I'm yeah. always giving her credit for having an insane amount of records and taking me to eighth street to it's only rock and roll and all these Crazy. record stores to St. Mark's. Like I knew all this because of her, because she was yeah. into like, you know, she grew up on David Bowie, yes, King Crimson, but then she got into like some punk stuff, you know, like yeah. I heard Black Flag, Dead Kennedys because of her, yeah. The Pretenders, X-Ray Specs. She liked all this stuff, Elvis Costello. She was just always into music and we would sit and like listen to music together, even when she was buying me records, like Metallica records. We'd sit that's, there and like that's put, put a vinyl on and read the lyrics together, read the lyric yeah. sheet. And that's fucking dope. That's why you cool with your moms and your mom's cool because your mom, people don't know we share the same mother because, you know, <laughs> you know, people don't know everybody out there. You remember and, that story, right? Of course. But let everybody know also. But Paul filled in for me, you know, while my wife was real sick, you know, um, the one thing we always want with the band is, you know, no matter what the band, you know, to keep going and keep going. You know, it's what we do. And it was if I had to get anybody to, to, to replace me, there was a, a handful of guys and I'm glad you were one of them, but Paul was one of the guys that filled in for me. So, um, you know, so P Paul was the face of Madball f for a little bit there, here and there. And then, um, but yeah, that story that was, with your mom. And, and I know. got some good stories. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let, let I, us I got, know. There's some good stories in that whole thing, you know, and again, I'd rather you have been there, you know, <laughs> because I, I wasn't there under the best conditions, you, you know, so and that always meant something to me, like as much as I enjoyed and appreciated that whole experience, like I sh it shouldn't have happened because, yeah, it, you know, it just sh I shouldn't have been there to fill in. Yeah, uh, but I'm glad I, I never, it was I never you. excited at because yeah, and I'm I'm glad and I'm honored, you know, because I have immense respect for you guys.
uh, as individuals. And so to be asked, especially back then, I, you know, I don't think anyone had ever filled in for you. Yeah, maybe nobody. So, had. Uh, so that's like a, a big fucking shoe to fill. Like I've, I've seen, I, I remember the tour I did filling in for H2O uh, with you guys. Mitz wanted me to film something from front of house at Hellfest or Fury Fest, whatever it was called back then. And I was like, I want to hang out over here and watch front of house. And I watched from front of house and I was like, holy shit, you guys, it sounded like it was Slayer level punishing. I I, I remember at one point filming and I realized the camera was over there. (laughs) And I've to see you guys who I know has always been one of the like incredibly tight hardcore bands to just mangle a festival like that and sound that per- crushing. I even have goosebumps, not even yeah. kidding, thinking about that. It was, it was crushing. And Danny was doing sound. Uh, it, it was that, that was one of those moments where I was like, this is the most professional shit ever. And then fast forward, throw me into that most yeah. professional shit ever with no notice. Yeah. It's like 18, 18 songs. No problem. No. And and I don't ever want to get that. The first thing I thought of was like that. I don't want to get that look from Freddie that with the eye, you know, oh, the, the murder. Oh, yeah. The Charles Manson. I'm going to cut where, your head off and feed it to the. Whereas I gets twisted. I don't want that look, man. I, ah, I, I thought of that. I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck, I, I, I don't want to fuck up at all. I, this has to be perfect. Uh, yeah. So I, at one point, Rig was telling me in the beginning that when he joined the band and this was great when he joined the band uh there'd be times where you'd look at him and you'd be like or freddie would look at him and be like yo speed up pick it up pick it up and he'd start playing faster and then you'd turn around and look at him not knowing and be like why are you playing fast you slow down and he'd slow down freddie hears him slowing down and it's like i just told you to speed up and he's like it was a lose lose man oh yeah and i'm I'm, luckily I'm, I'm I'm just there to help. So hopefully yeah, this is gonna, <laughs> I, I, hopefully exactly. you're gonna realize that. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, here to help you guys. Don't I'm not a target. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm just not gonna make eye contact. <laughs> just peripheral. So, but it was uh, you know I, so I learned all the stuff immediately and, and did some stuff in the states. It, it wasn't until I got to Europe that I want to say the second or third sound check. Danny was doing sound and. Uh, Jordana, I believe this is his yeah, last Danny name, right? Jordana, Danny Jordana, that's my brother. The greatest sound man ever, everybody. Ever. He does sound with Haybreed. And that's my brother. And he was a mad old guy before Haybreed. <laughs> Thank you, Haybreed. <laughs> Shout out to Haybreed. So he, he came up to me very soft-spoken, like day two. Uh, your strap was was one of the most horrendous guitar straps. Humming. No, that was the, the essence humming. of hardcore. The essence of hardcore <laughs> lived in that strap. But anyway. Fast forward, my our stage clothes are covered in blood and rancid. So yeah. I'm talking shit about you. Um, he he came up to me after the first sound, check, first or second sound check, and you know, gear and backline and everything was still getting settled, sorted. And he he very mild mannered. He was like, maybe you should raise your bass a little higher. And I was just like, okay, you're telling me how to play bass. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but you know, I was like. Okay, before uh, uh, I even had the time to really process, like, why? And he's like, when, when you play with the pick, he's like, the angle, he's like, your pick is scratching on the strings, and it and it's very noticeable, and I think for Madball, it would be better if you play pick uh, a little more solid. Uh, and I was like, okay. And then I went back to, I'd rather have him tell me than Freddie. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> <I'd> better. Ra- 
I'd rather hear that from him. Oh than yeah. Freddie. Oh, that's or amazing. From, or, or, or Mitts or anyone at that point. So You're, yeah, I, I, I was just taking tips from Danny, you know, I, and it changed my style of playing an instrument. Yeah. It, it made me way more focused because I have a wild bass player. Yeah. You know, Mitts would send me screenshots of photos of like live sh- sets where I'm playing and the strings, and we tune lower, you know, C sharp, yeah. but the string is like, looks uh, like this. I love when and, that lows is like power. He'd bug out. He's like, it's it's not going to sound in tune. How do you do this? And I'm like, you play with, you play. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, I, would get, yeah. I would get mad and defensive. Yeah, I know you. I know him too. I know him. He's but it so, hurt. Yeah, it's painful not for him yet. to see it. I Oh, I know. I know. That's painful. I, again, I'm glad it was you. Not only because we got, we love you and all that. We knew you could handle the job because you know, um, in in the band, I I no, I gotta be. I'm the weakest link in my band, and I'm a killer. So anybody who even feels in my spot gotta be better than me. You know what I mean? That's how. That's it. that's my layout of the band. I they I will the never. You know, they'll never be a. I'm the weakest link, and I know I carry my weight. So meaning is, anybody who fills in on guitar, sings, drums, gotta be better than me, and that's what my band is. I even tell them that's why I flip on my band. If when I do flip on them, it's not because I'm better than you. It's because you're better than me and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I know it. And they know yeah, it. that's the it, difference with the mentality. It's, you know, it's it's, it's it's so funny you say that, man, because I, 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 I try I don't I try not to flip on people. I might. I don't think they're going to watch. This. I, I, yeah, flip yeah. <laughs> yeah. I flip sometimes. But they, I, I realize that I'm. I'm the weakest link in the band too. I'm I'm the least technically talented. Yeah. You know, I, what's talent is whatever, but I, I'm I can't do what those guys do on guitars. Yeah. So yeah. I got this box, this little box that I play in, and I just always make sure that I, I know my limitations. How do I inside this box? How do I hit every corner and leave exactly. like zero square footage unturned? Like exactly. if I know I could only go here, 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 and here. How do I not get played out? Okay, yes. I have to go above and beyond and think how to do it different and navigate yeah. within my my the box. Yeah, you know? you know what it is? That's because we know we're not trying to be something we're not. We're working with what we got. That's the difference. There's people out there that they think they could do it all and they want the world to see the nuts do it all. We, not us. We want to see the unit do good. That's yep. the difference. When I flip on my band, not it will never ever ever be because i'm having a bad show of course i have a bad day but it's because when they fuck up it's because i'm the fuck up in the band and if i ain't fucking up you better not be fucking up you know and that's always that and and i know how much you know the band is like one of my arms so i know i'm never gonna you know half step it that's why you know we're blessed to have always uh you know a solid lineup in the people in the band you know, they, they, they respect it. It's more than a band. You know, this is, a, you know, that's literally it's a, one of our organs. You know, we, we, we live on this shit like the, the band is bigger than the fact that I could fill in for you proves that this band is such a machine. You know, you, you know like, man, I, the first show we had some one of the first shows on one of the European runs because uh, I did a couple for you. Uh, flights were canceled. Air France was on strike. There's this whole big menagerie. And we, that's another word I got from you, menagerie. Menagerie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like in my head. Yeah. It was a whole thing. We, we got there, you know, last band played and it had been like 45 minutes and we just rolled in from the airport in Poland somewhere. Like just 
got out, threw clothes on, and boom, played. I don't know if it was always – it was just coincidental, but I would almost always be the one that walked out first when the intro was playing. Uh-huh. And Mitch would give me the cue, like when the big bong, the Terminator yeah, thing yeah, yeah. hits or yeah. whatever. I, he'd, he'd give me the cue to walk out. And I walk out with the bass, and, man, people's faces were just <laughs> – it was it was very weird to see like people chanting like mad ball uh, and then see that hesitation on their face and they're looking they're like what is going on here and <laughs> no. i walk out you're like, like yeah, long yeah, hair yeah. spit on them <laughs> and a bass down on my knees yeah, you know uh you know it was there were a couple of freddie smashed someone out for, for some heckling at one show no, i'll tell you about that true. that's fake news my freddie doesn't that do those things yeah what I wanted to ask you is this, which is something that I'm glad you got to experience. And, and, and I bet a lot of people wish they could was you were playing. You got to play with Mackie. I did. And that's did. something that, uh, you know, I don't care who you are. If you're part of this, this music to just be on a stage with him, to watch him play is a gift and to be able to jam with him and say, yo, I fucking played on one stage with him, let alone fucking yeah. how many stages. You know, yeah, how was that pretty I, bugged out, right? I got to fill in for him and John, too. Yeah, uh, and you did, whenever, yeah, whenever Craig couldn't do it. Yep. And the, playing with him with Mad Bull was, was more controlled. With, with, yes. With Cro-Mag songs, you really got to keep him in the <laughs> rear view because it, it's like he intentionally tries to throw you off. Oh, he, does, yeah, yeah. he does shit. And I'm like, you're not going to get me, man. You're not going to shake me. Yeah. And, yeah. and he, he, of course, he does. But yeah. playing with him and Mad Bull was... It was, you know, I played with him and with Rig. It was both great, both really different. different definitely. And uh, yeah, it, it's 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 pretty surreal because there's times like, you know, in, in the moment of a show, you realize, you, you know, you're in a zone. But there, there were times where I'd like just catch my breath drinking water and I'm like looking around. I'm like, I'm, this, I'm playing with these guys. I know. You know, it's it, it's pretty cool. It, it was it was pretty cool. And playing with him, of course, you know. Yeah. I played I think, with him yeah. doing that before I even did the Chromax song. Yeah, and then you got to do the Chromax shit later, and that was dope, too. You know what I mean? Again, you know, that's what I tell people. You know, a lot of people, I, I say it a lot of people, and, and anybody listening, all you cats that play, learn those songs because you never know. <laughs> you never know. But yet, you know, you, you become that guy, like even Mike, who plays guitar for us now. Mike was filling in for Wisdom and Chains. We happened to see play a show with him. We got along with him. We saw he was a killer guitarist. We kept tabs on him. Boom. You know, we, he ended up being the right guy. You know, we, we went through time. We, you know, he got tested through a lot of, you know, phases. And look at, you know, but again, knowing these songs, you know, you get opportunities. Yeah. Like you, you know, you got, you know. To, to I remember, do- yo, Roy, Royce called me up and was like whispering on the phone. He was just <laughs> like, hey. He was like, can you fill it? Like, just gave me the info and then gave me like 18 songs. And I'm like, this is tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> like this is tomorrow. You don't want to like maybe play less so it sounds tighter. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. Like, like a lot less. Yeah, like six songs, wrap it up, and just like yeah. ring out a lot. You yeah, know, right? I, I filled in. I filled in for Rise Against. You know those guys, right? Wow, of course. Yeah, like uh, Mitz is good personally with them. I know of them. But that's crazy. I didn't know you filled in for them. That's dope. Yeah, they called me up. They were doing Big Day Out. And wow. it, was, it was Martin Luther King Day, whatever year it was, 07, 08, I don't know. Uh, they, I, I get a call from them. Martin, it was a, a national holiday. 
And prior to this, my car got broken into, and the only thing that got stolen was a bag that had nothing in it but my passport. Why I have my passport, I have no idea. So I'm like, I got no tours coming up. I slacked on it. They call me up and like, can you come to Australia tomorrow? Joe, Joe had some like medical issue that he had to tend to really quick. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's like, I don't have a passport. It got stolen, you know, like, so now I'm that guy that's like, oh uh, yeah, but my passport got stolen like a crackhead, you know, I, I, I winged it. I managed it. Their management helped me figure out getting a passport in under 24 hours, get on a plane, nice. meet them in New Zealand. And the whole time while I'm scrambling to do all this stuff, it's like, I got to figure out these songs. And that dude's a mean bass player. Like he uses all four strings. I don't use all four strings. Yeah. I know you don't use all four yeah. that much. So <laughs> yes. I, I use, I, I slide into the third, you know, whatever. The fourth one maybe makes some noise. It looks like I'm playing it. But that dude is technical. And I'm like, look, I'll learn all the root stuff. I'll, I'll do the best I can. Yeah. And when I got to New Zealand, it was like seven in the morning and we went over six songs. And I'm like, how are you guys with that? I'd rather successfully play six songs than like, train wreck and do not yeah. and it was festival so it was like 30 minute set so we made yeah. it work but uh-huh. i i had no time i i they yeah. called me like two in the afternoon and i had to figure out how to go home get ducks in a row uh get a passport figure out these songs get on a plane ha- like dig out my cd walkman because the ipod's gonna die on a plane i gotta yeah. keep listening to this stuff and i got there and i did it and we did like 10 shows or something like that off day shows the festival shows and figured it out so it's a good thing is that a a great thing about learning the mad ball set too so uh, again i have under 24 hours right i get the set list every record is tuned differently oh yeah that's a little (laughs) a little a little note a little tidbit that some people might every record is tuned so i can't just run it in set list order i gotta go in record order or i gotta keep tuning tuning so Oh my God, that was another like one of these. Man, this is how am I, I still I still don't know what we tuned to. I'm always like double checking, you know. It's because every, every we record went from an E to half a step, and then a half. Because again, you know, we wanted to down tune a little bit, but without trying to sound like a metal band, like too metallic metal. You know, so yeah. obviously we wanted to, we, we we love the metallic sound, but we didn't want to just down tune straight. You don't so want to be muddy. We, yeah, so we were baby stepping, you know, and it ends up being that when we teach people records, they're like, yo, it sounds different. Oh, it's a half step down or whatever. You forget and shit. And it's like, and bouncing back and forth between tuning. It's like, how am yeah. I going to do this, man? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do Don't worry. Yeah, you just, so you that, just fake that, it. That That's what a, I do. Yeah, but then you get the look. Then you get yeah. the Freddy look. <laughs> and then, you and then your life is over. Yeah. And, and then he's not. Let me ask you this. And why bass? Well, how did the bass come into your world? in general from jump it was my my dad who i have like zero connection with at all played bass and and i knew that much i knew that he played bass uh he dipped and just dipped and did one of those moves so i wrote the guy off i even recently changed my last name because i don't oh. want his last name <laughs> oh, there you go. uh just to get a little personal so i changed my mom's last lucifer's name. official Oh, I thought it was yes. Lucifer. You uh, it. it's, Paul it's Lucifer. One, it's, no, it's just one word, like share. Lucifer. <laughs> or like Rafe. Yeah, it's right. Rafe. Rafe is Prince Rafe Madonna. Yeah. So I, I changed it to Carlucci, which is my family name. But I, I'm, I'm, you know, for music, I, I'm known already as yeah. what I am. So I, I don't feel like I'm this musician that's worthy of a, 
no, notifying the world that I changed my last yeah. name. I'm down here, you know, yeah. so whatever. But uh, he played bass, and I always knew that. And my godfather uh, in, in Woodhaven, funny enough, uh, my mom's best friend's boyfriend at the time, who I, I picked to be my godfather when I had to go through that rigmarole, yeah. uh, was this biker guy that hung out on Hillside Avenue. He was cool. He worked at this uh, me- mechanic shop right across from Isaac's mom's house at Woodhaven Boulevard, too. Oh, shit. I remember. Uh, Shout and, out and to he, Ruthie. He, and, and he remembered the whole, like, his our Wood, Woodhaven connection is weird. But, uh, yeah, so he played bass, coincidentally. And I always thought he was cool, and I just wanted to play bass. It was this cool-looking instrument, you know. You know? Yeah. Everyone I liked played guitar, you, you know, like, but, like, music-wise, I, you know, I loved Eddie Van Halen, Paul Stanley, all these musicians I thought were cool play guitar but bass just looked cooler and it was accessible and it was yeah. looked maybe a little easier yeah and yeah I, I just stuck with it because of him you know we went to went to get bass lessons in long island he would take me and i learned like three songs and i went home i was just like i think i could figure out a misfits record or, you yeah. know something easy and that was it you know i took like three or four lessons figured what out what i fir- was doing what was the first bass you, you owned uh a gibson ebo oh, it was man. actually it was actually my, my father's. He, I'm in like third or fourth grade at this point. My mom, for whatever reason, was like, you should contact your dad and see what, what kind of bass you should play. I was like, all right. I remember the phone call. I remember being in my grandparents' apartment and talking to him on the phone. Weird. It's the only time I ever had contact with him uh, that I recall. So he said he'll give me his first bass, whatever. He even said, like, if you ever want to get rid of it, just give it back to me. It's important. And I'm like, yeah. Now, like thinking back creep. at that, I'm like, really? Like this creep. creep move? Yeah, right? that's a creep. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. In case you don't want yeah. it, give it back to me. Yeah, I mean, I only left you with nothing. So yeah, if you I don't, don't want, if the one thing I give you, you don't want, give it back to me. I'll smash it before I give it back to you. Yeah, him, which is currently broken, like four <laughs> feet away from me. So he'll never see this. But if he does, your base is broken and it's over there. Uh, and I'm gonna take the badass bridge off it and put it on another base. So he. I guess my, my grandparents orchestrated a, a meetup with his mother, my grandmother on that side of the family to, to meet and get this bass. I remember getting there, the bass was there. He dropped it off and left or whatever. And I remember the door opening, seeing the guitar case. He wasn't there, and but I was a kid. So I was just psyched to open it up and put it yeah. on, you know? And in doing that, the strap wasn't on and it fell and I broke the neck. <laughs> Oh, so I wound up re- getting it re-glued. I got it fixed. It's a small scale base. It looks like an SG, you know, uh-huh. and uh, I never really used it. I maybe recorded something with it or brought it to a studio, but I, I still have it. And, and uh, so that was your first. Yeah. And um, so I'll give the credit. I'll give the credit to my, my godfather. He's the one that got you. And then what was the first one that you got after that, that you maybe saved up for whatever your next one or that you wanted that you got on your own now you're playing you know what was the next bass that came I, into well, your life that you had to have you're gonna like the transition of of basses because and i know you know why uh so i i ended up getting a, a 1970 ebo bass gibson one from my godfather gene uh it was like an actual big bass and i used that for years for, for years with Kill Your Idols, I'd bring that thing on tours in 1970. Uh, big, 
it's like playing with an oak chair. It's not even like a basement. It's awkwardly awkward to hold. And then at one point I got like, I got a BC, I got a warlock. You know, I needed one of those when I was a kid, right? So I had this white BC Rich Warlock with like stickers all over it. And it looked cool, but it didn't sound great. I was playing through like a harky head back then, (laughs) which was cool, I I guess. You know, like it was, it it wasn't until the Galleon Kruger came around that I like officially stepped everything up. Yeah. Uh, So I ended up, I was playing that Gibson for a really long time and I did most of my touring with that through then I got the ESP deal and was and was getting those Vipers, which was essentially the same base, but just a little more modern, uh, same shape. And at some point when I'm doing the band No More Black, I acquired a GNL. It looked like a Telecaster. It was GNL base, the ASAT. And it was real cool. Again, it sat really awkward. You let go of it and the headstock goes down. Yeah. But I was using it because I, I really liked the sound. You know, it was it was more aggressive than than the Gibson. And fast forward. I fill in for Madball and they're like, don't bring anything. You're using all Hoyer's gear. I got home from the, the first leg of that. And I was like, I need a fender. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need a fender. It was perfect. Huh. And I don't know why I was anti fender. I think it was just because Gibson wasn't known for bass. And I was just yeah. like, Gene Simmons played a Gibson, you know? Yeah. Like it was just, people would always be like, that's a Gibson bass. You, you know, I have a Marshall bass cabinet, the eight by 10 people always freak out. Like, yeah. I never saw a Marshall eight by 10. And I'm like, yeah. So, I was just stuck to the base because I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't know any better. It was the one I had. It was, I liked it, but playing defender, there's just no denying. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. It's perfect yeah, base. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. It's like this. I played a trillion other amazing bases, you know, and they're great, you know, whatever. You grab a fender. That's what it's like a bicycle. It's what a yep. bicycle should feel. Forget what you have BMX, 10 speed, whatever. A, just a bike, how it works. That's what a fender is for bass. That's the starting point, you know. And I always. also had I also had an Ibanez sound gear, which I know you you yeah. familiar with with the and sound I'm gear. Back, and, and 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 let me just say this to the, the the sound gear in that whole era of the cheap basses, those 90s. were some of the best sounding cheap shit you would ever get because i had these bases that sounded amazing but they weren't um a road um it's like it's like a paperweight yeah like like i would literally play it and i would bend it and while i was playing out yeah i'll go you know playing set it off because i would bend the neck but they sounded amazing and um that's when i learned i was like Okay, pick up this, but then when I would, you know, I learned that. But at the end of the day, for you know, back in the day, like you, you use a dirtier sound now. And then I started getting away from there. I went from a dirty sound early on, and then got because I I wanted I couldn't play guitar, and then I went back to a natural sound. And then when you go, I go, oh, this bass is the best for the natural sound, the Fender. And then when I started, sometimes I would you know dirty it up, and then I go. Wow, this bass is even good for a modern sound. This is what I thought. But then you listen to old bass tracks and they had old dirty sounds already, yep. you know, where it was a little overdriven. And I was like, it was already meant to do both. And now other basses sound maybe, you know, because the pickups a little bit more control over um, um, overdrive, an overdriven sound or distortion. You know what I mean? Now your pickups could kind of keep shit organized. But at the end of the day, the bass, you know, a Fender could play you know, dirty rock, blues, jazz, you know, you plug in, you could, re- you could rock with a, yeah. you know, Fender P bass is ready to go. 
you know, jazz. Yeah, that and, and 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 the Sansamp changed my life. Yeah. The the first person I ever saw using one of those was Todd. That was that was in Warzone. Yep. Uh, I, I think it was playing with Vision. He was in Vision for a minute, and uh, we played somewhere. It was like fifteen people in Pennsylvania, you know. And and I saw him setting this thing up, and I was like, "What is that?" And he's like, "It's a Sansamp." And he like played an open E and then turned it on and played an E, and I was like. Yeah, I need one of these. <laughs> I need yeah. one of these. That that and then spying on Craig's gear, you know, like looking yep. at the settings on his because he had a GK, uh, or I think it was him. Or yeah, he Adam had Blake. a GK early on, earlier too. We all had, I want you know, that was a New York standard, and to me, still one of my favorite heads ever. Yeah, is the GK. I, I, I just stole his settings, you know, the Sans amp and that because that was like scratch the surface era or whatever, and that yep. bass sound was, you know, how do you get that? that gritty sound but it also still sounds like low endy because yeah I, i'm i'm big on low endy bass sounding like hip-hop in a car you, yeah you know, I, I think no matter what it should always i agree sound like like a bass you yeah. know it should that's what i pummel. agree bass got away from that but that's what i always said it should be that now your top layer you know it, it's uh i tell you it's your character like um, Craig uses a very, yeah. you know, a hot, very sizzly style, but that's his attitude. That's his style coming out. But you need the bottom end. You know, your style, yeah. you have a grit, but it's low endy grit. It's opposite from him. Yours is closer to mine, but yours is more overdriven than what I use. But it's more I in my butt. I realize, and I realize filling in for you that I need more mid-range in my sound. Yeah. Because I just, I, I guess it was out of, uh, what's the word? whatever the word is uh b being uh anyway i i just insecure yeah i was insecure with my playing so i would code it and just make it sound massive and gary's guitar tone was always so cutting through everything that as long as i filled up the bottom yeah i don't even have to be playing the right song it yeah, just sounds like mean. the floor is gonna fall out yeah so i mastered like coming back on the mid-range and just punishing and having that crisp bright but also more yeah. low end and i realized like playing the beginning of of hold it down you know it's yeah. just the bass if there's no if you don't cut. have any mid-range in there yeah. it just sounds like garbage yeah and that's when danny was like <laughs> exactly now it's funny because i was the same thing with you i would always go towards the low end and I was like no I don't want it to be hot and sizzly because I wanted to feel like that I said I'd rather be felt than heard but yep. then I learned in those parts in my bass breaks yo it's sounding muddy and I'm like yeah they're like look at you're too scooped out too veed out you know on my EQ and give it a little bit more mids and then I learned to like to use I learned to to, to love mids for the overall mix, maybe not for my own self, for your, but yep. for the track, then I'm like, I get it now. The track yeah. needs it. You know? And that I, makes you have to, you have to focus on your playing live. You, yes. you know, I can't just be wilding out sustain. like a maniac. Yeah. You know, low, like, end, I, low end buys us sustain, buys us time, you know, boo, and then we could be a little off while everybody's tight. That's like, you know, our, Who's a guitar guy? Keith Richards who spins his hands around. That fucking dude, one of those dudes. That's like him. It's like, Pete Townsend. Yeah, that motherfucker. You know what I mean? The other guys are jamming and he's fucking around doing that shit. But the band is holding it down, you know? But yep. um, no, but you're right. You're a thousand percent right. It's the, the like, you got to learn to manipulate the low end that we love. But you need the high end. And that's what keeps the player on point. Because the high end 
we could hear our mistakes and where we're at in the mix. Now we yep. can't hide in, in, the, in, in the mix. And that yeah. brings out that insecure, like, yes. I can't hide. I hide in a low end. I just got this new Sans amp. It's a Getty Lee one. It's, oh, I didn't the, sec- it. it's the second edition. Uh, at first, I, I, I emailed the company. And I'm like, this is too weird, man. It, it, it sounds like shit. I hit them up and I'm like, how do I, it's got like two channels. I know it is a manual, but I can't, I'm, I'm not going to process the manual. So I emailed them. I'm like, I'm a real big fan of the Sans amp. And I sent them my settings and the dude wrote me back and explained everything. He's like, so it's going to be different for you. He's like, you're not going to get that mid range scoop that you like, according to, to your sound. He's like, but try this, this, that you could bypass and make, make it one channel. Explain all this shit to me. And I'm sitting there and yeah, man, yo, it's murderous sound. Yeah. Uh, murderous i gotta check uh, it out i didn't mean, i didn't even hear about it i didn't even know about that one yeah it's yeah, it like this big mint green like elementary school bathroom green pedal there's a rack version of it if you got a, a hookup at tech 21 look into yeah. it i mean nothing uh, you know what I, you, you want you want to know something i have i never been sponsored by anybody you believe that shit really uh, nobody fucking hooks up the rock but i don't give a fuck i'm offend the guy to death you know Strength? who i got why i got hooked up to the fender Shout out to BD from Haybreed back in the day because they got hooked up. A lot of people out there were always like, yo, come to me, come to me. I said, yo, BD, yo, you got a hooker, buddy. I got you. Boom. That's how I got my fenders. Shout out to BD and Haybreed. But that's I, I got that fender right when I got home from the, the first run I did with you. This band against me from Florida just yeah. got a fender deal. And I hit oh. up the bass player, Andrew, and I was just yeah. like, can you oh, get yeah. anyone? Yeah. Shout out and to all you motherfuckers. Yeah, he got me a P for like four hundred bucks. Yeah, shout out to all you fucking endorsed motherfuckers looking out for dudes like us. Because that's I how we a, get a, it. And I want the Eddie Van Halen guitar, so that I gotta get, I gotta meet someone at Fender. That's my, that's there, my goal. There, there, there's a you know there's a Fender I want to buy. I you know I've refused. I said I'm not gonna. I'll always buy a Fender. I don't, I don't no matter what because I love them, but I don't need them. But there's a Fender they just dropped. A black and blue one. <clears throat> I don't no. know if you saw it, but not <laughs> no, just because, you know, obviously the color scheme is that, but the way it looks. Oh, you know, for me, if I, if any bass I want now, I want the old school Fender shit, you know, the classics. That's the only thing I really get off on. This one black and blue one they just put out. I don't even know if it was based over Batman or whatever fantasy. Let me tell you, <laughs> that shit is fucking beautiful. I don't know how it plays, but beautiful. I actually was like, you know, in my head, I was like, like, I actually got a thousand some dollars to spend on a fucking bass, which I got like eight yeah. of them, you know, and, and well, I got no shows to play. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, maybe not now. And I got two, two miles to feed. No, but I'm like fucking beautiful bass. But um, to me, I don't care. You know, I don't give a fuck. You know, like it, the fact is, and also everybody out there listening, you don't need a Fender to fucking play in a band or to sound good either. Don't get it wrong. Because, um, you know. I know what you mean. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, but you know what I mean? You I'm be motiva- tell- I'm yeah, yeah. Be motivational. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, you know, it's not always about the brand. The first thing is everybody got to worry about, try writing a dope track. Write songs, get tight, and then worried about what brand names you have behind you on your equipment. Because some people worry a lot about the aesthetics right away in a band, yeah, and I get it. that's true. I get it. In a band, you want to look. But don't worry. More important than anything, they're going to hear you before they see you. So worry and about I, I learned it's all it's all in the wrist, man. That's yeah. yeah. That's from and from from watching dudes. Uh, who do I mention there? You know, like 
Daryl Jennifer, Lemmy, the wrist. Yeah. yeah. The wrist. Yeah, for sure. James Hetfield. You know what I mean? You know, Steve. Yeah, Steve Harris. You know what I mean? That motherfucker. I would love to see those two go at it. Two different instruments, but that's the pick motherfuckers. The, the galloping. That whole right hand. And, you know, for New York hardcore, that's fucking AJ, who I've been trying to get on the fucking show, everybody. Why would he do it? You know, he's, he's just a down low guy. But, yo, I want to get fucking... Yeah, I want AJ on the show because Leeway is one of my biggest influences on my plane. They're one of the bands that brought style to the, to hardcore music, and they weren't some punk rock, just punk rock uh, mixed. You know, they I were agree. more the metallic side of, of the Leeway hardcore. Leeway was one of my first shows. It was Leeway Lunachick's Iceman. Yeah. And uh, I remember being style. confused by Eddie because he had... Uh, like a Yankees jersey. Yeah. He like didn't, you know, it didn't look like they sounded. Yeah. And it exactly. was like, wow. And they were fucking dope. And let me just say this about Leeway. We got to play with them. They did one of their reunions. I want to say it was in the late, early 2000s. Riggs, I want to say, might have still been in the band, but it was one of their later reunions with the original lineup. And it was in Europe. And again, I got goose pimples right now. They sounded like the fucking album. Like the, we kill your idols. It might have been the same tour. Kill your idols played the lint fabric. Do you remember what, that place? Yeah, in Belgium? yeah. What, what year was that about? What year are you you're talking? It had to be late nineties, early to mid two thousands. Yeah, because yeah, at this point, I was only filling in for Kill Your Idols. Okay, and uh, we played with them the night of the World Cup. Okay, uh, in at the lint fabric, and it was Michael Gibbons. Yeah, and the, I had to be the uh, one. Eddie Cohen, I think, on bass, right? Yeah, and yo. It was it was great. It was great seeing that there. It was just a whole different vibe. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. And that's like, you know, um, you know, the, the guitar guys that, you know, those dudes are fucking nasty. But it was great to see them and like, you know, the great players. And then, you know, again, and then the good thing about um, what I love about those players or whatever, that it brought the, you know, we it brought the everybody, a lot of people's games up, you know, having guys like that in the scene. Because we wouldn't copy of a Metallica guy, even if we love Metallica, because, you know, when you're a hardcore kid, you can't acknowledge your metal past yeah. at first. God forbid. <laughs> you know, back then, God forbid you did that, even though everybody came in through metal. You know yeah, but I mean? if you saved all those shirts, think of how much money Ooh, you sell yeah, right now. Nah. And yeah, and right now, fucking all these new hardcore bands are rocking all those throwback metal shirts that everybody yep. back in the day and our day got rid of because it wasn't cool. Now... That's the one thing. I, hey, look, we just came up with something these new fucking kids got right. They learned to appreciate the, the, the throwback era of yeah. fucking bands and shit. You know, even if they may do it for style, you know, we love those bands. If it's a fucking Man of War shirt or some shit like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, even though I yeah, wasn't a Man and, of War guy, but yeah. But, yo, bands like Razor, like Crumb Suckers, yeah. Leeway, you know, even Killing Time. Hell yeah. Just raising the bar of, of musicianship where it's like, okay, it, it's more metallic. And it's not just listening to like no, no diss, but like it's not like listening to Life's Blood. Yeah, yeah, something. no, yeah, exactly. It's like now, now there's the playing field just got opened up a bit. Yeah. And Crumb to, Suckers had motherfuckers that could play. Like, you know, yep. the minute you had two guitars, you know, even Chromags later with the two guitars going solo sections and fucking, you're like, damn, wow, this is real shit. Like we got that's why I was like with my old band, I was like, we gotta step our game up. You know, me and Beto used to be like, we gotta do like these metal motherfuckers. 
because they come yeah, out and, and they sound and like no, no joke. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we were like, we need to sound big. We need to throw solos. We can't be afraid to show off in, in that way. Like, go off, make a big song, make an intro, make a solo, you know, like do all the candy shit. Like we were like, and that you, was because you know, the metal guys. I like, and I like, I think your most, uh, the most metal manball record is Infiltrate. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Legacy was yeah. getting there and then Infiltrate yeah, is sure. metallic. Yes. I, I, I love metal manball, man. You know, yeah. I, I love it. I Because it's not just, I don't know, it's it's hard to explain. The groove is still always there. That that record for me, and granted, Legacy and Infiltrate was me spending time with in yeah what you guys filling in but th those two records were like really are i think my two favorite yeah. you know side by side but again then it opens i could have an hour conversation about what why every record is my favorite yeah and interrupt myself <laughs> no, yeah no, and the infiltrate is it's for me it's one of my favorite albums because of that reason like I'm, you know, I'm a metal motherfucker too. You know, people again, I'm a hardcore kid, but I love that metal shit. I'm the one who brought that metal shit to Madball. You know, I was like, how could we take that old school rawness and I and I want to throw that metal groove shit because I was into that groove shit. I said that real tight playing, but that you know that scooped in fucking groove yeah. shit. So and I, it's oh, not, it's yeah. not like a. a it's not like you're distancing yourself from your sound with that album either. It's like yeah. a, a good progression. You, you know what I think why you also appreciate that record is also the style of metal that we use. We use a thrash style that I think we all familiar with. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it is not so much a maybe a, a black metal style or a, a metal core style or even a newer style of thrash. It's like that. One on one traditional thrash mixed in with some hardcore. So you could get a little bit of what a slayer might feel, a little Metallica ish riff, a little Exodus, Exodus ish kind of vibe, still with that. Yeah, leeway. and then live and live, since you guys are like a fucking machine, it's it's scary live, you know, like a weird try. word to use. Yeah, try, uh, try, try to again. I give all that to the metal motherfuckers for making us hardcore motherfuckers work. You know what I mean? Like we gotta and fucking um what what what's the difference? Let me ask you this because you got to tour as a hardcore band and you got to tour now in, in, in another a whole different genre, still heavy music in, in the metal genre, and even more, it's more than just a metal, it's like you're in a niche of metal because you're not just doing a festival with fucking Def Leppard and fucking yeah. whoever, you know. <laughs> um um what do you think would be the difference? Obviously, crowd-wise, it's different style. What do you think on the fans themselves, without trying to diss anybody, what do you think are the difference between those metal kids and, let's say, the hardcore kids as fans? Open-mindedness. On which open, part? Open-mindedness. Uh, um, and, I mean, I, I love the most that people don't step on your pedals and step uh, on your cables and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't miss, I don't, I don't miss the, people... Push, pushing you out of the way yeah. by your strings, by by what's making the sound that you're going to stage yes. dive to. Someone move. pushes you by your strings to move so they could jump off the stage and it so, knocks over like 55 things that you own at the same time. And who I you said was the open mind, who was the open minded people you're saying? The metal uh, guy. Yes. Yes. Sure. Uh, maybe just uh, Europe in general has always yeah. been more open minded. Like you still For see. Sure like a 45 at the time when I'm younger, you know, like now I'm 43, but 
when I was younger, I would still see an older guy with like a morbid angel hat and a sick of it all shirt that looked yeah. like it got ran over by like yeah. a steamroller <laughs> I, I and like eight, before they even have merch put out. Like, you know, you just see one of these dudes who's drinking a beer and he's still psyched to be at a show. Yeah. When over here, sometimes people get jaded like that and they don't care. Yeah. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be at Bakken. It could be the Linfabrique. You you get these people that don't grow out of things and yeah. always sort true. of stay true to what they are and love, sincerely love music. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that it's fake over here, but I feel like the the trends come and go. Yeah, you shelf know? life like, is short here in America, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I always love that about Europe, how people are just more open minded to, to things. And let me ask you this, because you're in that world. So I don't know. I know you like you said, you you know, I know you heard and you saw that shows are back because you were at a little show in New York City. Not too was that ago. one. You were at the super spreader event. I heard. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, it's the super spreader. Now you got to see my, my neighborhood now is the super spreader. Yeah, yeah, people out the, the entire neighborhood right now is super. Spot. Right now, you go out my houses, people jerking off on the street. They don't know how to act out here in Florida. But we've been open all time. But listen, <laughs> but let me ask you this: What's the word in um, you know, now where we you know where everything is catching up, things are opening up. What's the word in, in in the in the metal front as far as how's it looking for shows? I mean, we're all on the same page, but are there shows in your world? Right, right booked, now, or what's what? It seems like anything getting booked right now is semi-local, maybe last minute, but it, it seems like if it's if it's not an inconvenience, book a show. You know, yeah. with the exception of you guys flying up here, you know, like Sheer Terror played Arrogant Swine, yeah. stuff like that, where it's like local and yeah. it's safe to book something. I'm noticing like some festivals are happening. There's Psycho Las Vegas yeah, that appears, that. and that's in August, and they're banking on that'll happen. Year, a Listen, European headliner. I don't know and, about the. Uh, oh, the, I don't know about the international in and outs, but I think all these other little fe these festivals, it's official now. You go out now everywhere, you know, people forgot already. You know what I mean? Not that, not, they, I don't want to say that, but it's people. It's open. Shit's opening yeah. up. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, and I, I think there. I read. I read. I, I heard that Europe was planning on open, like EU was going to open borders to Americans possibly this summer with no date. So I'm thinking if that's the case, America will do the same. And if visas are lined up, like Psycho Las Vegas has some backing, you know, it's at the MGM. Yeah. I, I believe that has a lot to do with it. Yes. If the visas are filled out properly, I mean, you could get an MMA fighter here from China. You could maybe get some guys here from Europe for this yeah, thing. To for sure. With the, right, with, money, with the right people, money behind you, it'll happen. It'll happen. And without certain bands, the, the festival won't happen. You know, they have some, like, big hitters that are from Europe. So I'm curious to see how that happens. It's very ambitious. Yeah. But it seems like the, the festival idea is going to be the way to go. Unless it's, like, like I said, unless it's local, like local yokel, not to diss, but yeah. it, it's... The festival is the move. Yeah, like we're, yeah. we don't have anything until next year. And the plan is, again, make a record this summer and, then, and have it out by like beginning of the year into spring. And I already have stuff like, yeah, you know, discussions about like a couple festivals. If this tour like submitted for a tour in, in the, the fall of 2022 now. Yeah. So and I'm not totally in a rush in the sense that. I'd rather it be at 100% before we operate because, uh -huh. again, we're supporting on an album. We're going to be supporting on a bigger tour. So I'm more yeah. dependent on the bigger picture. 
Like you guys could come and headline the park and fucking smash it. No, I, you know, I like know what for, you mean. Yeah, for us, I I think personally, it's it's better to wait until things are at a hundred. Yeah, or ahead. else it just would be yeah, half-assed. Yeah. No, I hear for, you. For I us, you. yeah, and especially if you're gonna come out with another record and you want the record and the setup and all that. So yep. the the plan is new record, setting up for tours, but nothing is set up for till next year. So yeah, nothing. Uh, they, nothing they, until 2022. Well, they is anybody gonna hear you drop it? Planning to drop anything this year? A song, an old song, or something? You guys gotta drop something. I'm hoping the press starts in like the the last quarter of the year. You know, like we we have a couple of there's a couple of things sitting around, like older stuff, Uh, some covers that we're gonna do for this record cycle. Weird choices. Uh, uh, Totally weird choices, but again, choices that make sense. So. I'm hoping just to see, and again, this is, we haven't even really dealt with the record label that we signed with yet. Like I I know one dude that the guy that runs it in America is the one that signed us to relapse. He left and moved over to season of mist Gordon Conrad. Uh, I've discussed with him, but we still haven't even really dove into that madness yet, you know? Yeah. So, and, and I got a side thing actually that I I started writing some slightly more death metal, like a little more ignorant riff Uh shit riff wise. And that I know these guys look at me and stop with the like diddle and diddle and diddle, like yeah, the leeway, the gotcha. leeway Metallica chugging and ignorant heavy stuff. Like I always think like what would Mabel do? I, I hit like a, <laughs> a standpoint and I'm like, just throw a beat down in there and yeah, yeah. do something ignorant in the most respectful way possible. So I started writing some during the, the beginning of this whole thing. I wrote a, bu- a bunch of like one off songs and I would send them to people. Uh, so, you know, people are like, I wish we could do something together. I get a garage band, bang, 45 yeah. minutes later. I'm like, sing. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody took the bait. Yeah. You were too so, on point. You are too on point for motherfuckers. Yep. Calling bluffs. And Rafe yeah. was joking around and he's like, we could put out your, like, you know, your best, your, your worst of, <laughs> put yeah. out a comp of all my reject shit yeah. that nobody ever fucking cares about. But like, yo, Shane, Shane was just like, I want to do a black metal band. Nobody wants. And I wrote Shane a song like a year and a half ago. Stress that he was going to record vocals recently, I think. Yeah, I hope. But and that'll be amazing. You know, that that's what I'm waiting. I'm waiting because oh, Shane will rock. Oh, yeah. I want, I want to put that I want makeup back on. I want to manage him. Totally. <laughs> Play bass in the yeah, Yankees. I'm in, corpse I'm paint. I'm in. <laughs> the black white face, the New York symbol on the face. <laughs> oh, you heard it here first, everybody. I'm in. And then. And then you take the black metal king of queens title. Listen, there you go. Everybody, <laughs> copyright this episode, motherfuckers. <laughs> Put it in an envelope and mail it to yourself. Remember that shit back uh-huh. in the day? To copyright yep, your yep. demo? Motherfuckers don't know what we had to do back in the day. And I never had to even reopen that envelope. Re- yeah, <laughs> don't open it because then it's not official no more. But yeah, but yo, I started writing a bunch of stuff for people thinking like, okay, if you respond with, with vocals on a song, then I'll move forward. Yeah. Never happened. Uh, until I sent my friend Lucas. He's uh, he sings in a band called Funeral Leech from New York. They're like uh-huh. doomy death metal stuff. I sent him a track day later, sent me back vocals. And I was like, oh, all right. Uh, I was like, well, let's break it up in 50, 50 to vocals. I'll write all the stuff and we'll figure it out. And this label from Canada, Profound Lore was in touch. And that guy, Chris, said he'd be happy to put it out. So I'm like a song away from finishing writing that record. You Just have, have to have someone play drum. Yeah, it's called Dispel. Dispel. All right. There you so, go. Look out some new music. When's that going to come out? This year? Realistically, Hopefully, probably some, next year, too. Next year. 
Yeah, you but you have to just... put out something blackout or something this year. You can't let that this. It's still, you know, we're just in the first quarter of the year. You can't let the, oh. all that too. You got to keep in the, you know, or chumming, else, I yeah. call it chumming the waters. Keep throwing some fish guts out there for the sharks. You know what I mean? Dangle, dangle the carrot a little bit. Yeah, dangle your dingleberries right over there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that so that sort of materialized out of nowhere. A guy heard a demo. Uh, I. I just sort of threw together and was just like, I'll put this out. So that made me think like, okay, now it can't just be me writing a quick song and sending it to this guy. Now I got to like, I got to make it perfect. And then I start getting into that mode where I'm like a psychopath about it. Uh, But yeah, so I got that cooking, which will be cool. I I don't think it'll play live. I think it's just one of these, I I think it should be a recording project, Yeah, but who knows? You know, like I, Ideally, I always say that, like, eh, just record, and then next thing you're on a plane to go yeah. play a festival. I said that too so, with Matt, but yeah, I'll fill in for a show or two, and 27 years later, 27, 27 years. Christ. I put more, I should be a brain surgeon. If I would have put all this time in medical school, I would have been a millionaire. Fixing yeah. people's brains. <laughs> now I'm fucking people's brains up. But look, I'm glad I got you on. I've been wanting to get Me you too, for a minute, man. but I this one, I just, I said, you know what? Let me catch this weekend for some reason. I said, let me get see if I could catch you now. So it was kind of like la- you were on the books, but I'm glad I got you at the last minute. So yeah, me too, man. It worked out perfect on my end, too. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I'm glad. And again, everybody where they could find you and follow you. What's the band's Instagram and all that shit? Black Anvil. One word. Black Anvil. On, you, you got an Instagram. And what about a Facebook or just the Instagram? Instagram and Facebook. It's all the same. And it's all just Black Anvil. Listen, go download that shit. Go support the movement. Go sacrifice chickens in the name of them and all that good shit. In the name of heavy metal. In the name of heavy metal. But yo, (laughs) I love you, Paul. You know what's up. I love you too. soon. This comes out this Thursday. Everybody, smoking word, Black Anvil. You know what time it is. We out. All right, man.